Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of one of our 2020 Elul study classes. The theme of the week is chesed. Uh, I tend to be uh, an interactive teacher. It's a little tricky to do over Zoom and maybe even trickier when we have people that we don't all know. So I'm going to go by whatever name I see on the screen because that's, that's all I got, um, especially if I don't have a video. I'm going to ask you a quick question, and then I'm going to sort of launch into a little bit of some teaching, and I'll share a screen with you, and we'll look at some text together, and then we'll try and have a little discussion and see what we can do in the next, four, you know, 50-plus minutes or so. Uh, and Rabbi Shaz can be the timekeeper and the manager, because it's great that I don't have to worry about that right now. So, uh, real quick, I want you to tell me, uh, if you feel open to it, uh, tell us your name, or who you are, um, and real quickly... The nicest thing that something's done for you throughout the past almost six months of this pandemic, just one, and not a long one, just like a quick, nice thing, act of caring that somebody's done for you. Um, and if, any, if you're fancy and you know how to hit the, you know, reaction button and you want to raise your hand, hit that. If not, wave and I will call on you. Um, who's going to start? My people can't leave me hanging because, you know, you're planted here. Um, Karen, go first. Whites and corns go next. Uh, let's go. Karen Cass, go ahead. Yeah, she got dinner delivered to my house when I was sick. Great, great. Not with uh, COVID. Great. Um, thank you for that. Whites and corns. After spending approximately three weeks in Florida in June, end of June, beginning of July, returning home to be quarantined for two weeks, the outpouring from friends who offered to take care of our shopping for us while we were awaiting the 14-week period when we could again go out and do our own thing. Great. Help from when you had to return and stay. Uh, Steve Paretsky, go ahead. I've got to, I've got to, I'm sorry, but I've got to do the Jewish geography thing because I have such amazing connections, even though probably nobody knows me here. But uh, Rabbi Schatz, I, uh, I'm a current member of Shomrei Torah. I know Rabbi Cameras very well. I was executive director of the synagogue up until a year ago when I retired, and, uh, and I'm very interested in the Hevra Kadisha work that you're doing because I'm starting trying to start one in the Valley. Great. Uh, and and uh, Rabbi Schoenbrum, uh, my mother is a member of your synagogue and has been so for, since it's yeah, – you know, and, <laughs> and I met you in Philadelphia a number of years ago at the Jewish Museum when I met her there and on a bus trip that you guys had trip. taken there. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I was a member of your synagogue when I was one day old back in the late 50, back in the middle 50s. Um, so, but, uh, the, so I have connections to both, both of you guys. Um, the, uh, the nicest thing that's happened in the six months since we've been in isolation is that my son, who lives up in the Bay Area, surprised us and came down for his birthday and spent, and spent a long weekend with us uh, by surprise two weeks ago. Wonderful. And I hope he's doing okay with the fires and everything in the Bay Area. And I'll just, for, for fun, the other connection there is Rabbi Richard Cameras, in addition to being connected to my siblings through camp and all that, um, it was my wife's rabbi growing up. She like was spent all the time when he was in Baltimore before he was at Shumray, and he did our wedding and we're friends with him. So there you go. There's a, you got double connections. Uh, Cone family, and then let's uh, see if there's any more, and then we're going to jump in. Go ahead. That sounds cool. <laughs> so I'll be I remember when Rabbi Schoenbrunn was born. <laughs> but um, the, uh, the other uh, thing is every other Tuesday, my wife and I take the day off work and we go to some 
um, place in Southern California that has been determined COVID safe and we're outside. We've gone to Lake Arrowhead, we've gone to Catalina, we've gone, we even sat outside at Tierra Sur in Oxnard, which was literally on the bucket list. I've never done that. That we've never done day trips like this before. Right, so it took said, the, the right. COVID and the so it's been nice. staying in for us to get together and go out together. Great. Okay. And now she wants to divorce me, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> well, that's also a kindness that you, you, that you sort of <laughs> uh, Second part, the trip part. Okay. So, so let's jump in a little bit um, and people can mute to avoid noises and all that. And we'll just sort of jump in. So the theme of the week, uh, as I was told, was chesed. Now chesed, uh, for those who don't know, uh, shares the same Hebrew word, word um, root for piety, right? Chesed. And when you hear somebody called a chassid, chassid and chesed, they sh- share the same root. And of course, the, the phrase, gemilut chassadim, uh, acts of kindness and caring and generosity, we know them when we see them. Uh, a couple of years ago, people who are on the call who are my current congregants have heard this before. Uh, I told a story about uh, something that was circulating on social media. There was a 73-year-old woman uh, named Carol Flynn. She was in line at Walmart in South Dakota, and she noticed... Um, a stranger who's checking out next to her and had set aside like three, four boxes of diapers that she had in her cart and she was going to purchase them all because uh, she thought the store was going to price match each of them because um, she saw that advertised, but she got in the front line and Walmart said, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'm only matching one box and there's $140 worth of diapers that you were planning on buying, but she couldn't afford them. So the person behind her in line, Carol Flynn, uh, placed the three boxes back in the cart, paid for the boxes and that was it. But what neither of them knew was there was somebody taking a video of the whole thing. It went viral on Facebook and it inspired all these acts of generosity. And the woman, Carol Flynn, who was a retired uh, state director of March of Dimes, was interviewed and she said, well, I'm not that wealthy, but I could certainly afford to spend $100 and help this person out. The woman who was, who was helped out, who was uh, kind of embarrassed by all the attention because it blew up on social media and all of that, says, I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. I kept saying, thank you. And God bless. And then I walked out of the parking lot and started crying. It just hit me. It was an awesome statement of what God's love does, obviously a a religious person. Um, And I was struck at the time by that, you know, awesome statement of what God's love does, because I don't think that was likely in a, a Jewish person saying that, but in a Jewish context, what we would say is that what would things look like in our world if we recognize that everybody is God's creature. Everybody's created for love, to be cared for, to be cherished in a way that brings healing and goodness and in a way that seems so far away from half the stuff we see on TV or our social media feeds or anything else these days. Um, what would it look like if we took this act of, you know, this whole mitzvah of being kind and caring and compassionate seriously every day, right? And, and that was a story I used to tell a number of years ago. And I started thinking of a more modern example of which there are many, and was reminded of the very beginning of all this uh, Corona stuff when we were just uh, had four children at home uh, between the ages of uh, five and 14. It's been not exactly a quiet uh, Corona time. And um, to put it mildly, and, you know, it can get stressful and, and we're very blessed and privileged and, you know, thank God we have our health, et cetera. But, you know, everyone's having a hard time. And so there was a period where we would watch um, that show that was put together by John Krasinski, the guy who played, you know, on The Office, and he put together this thing called Some Good News, SGN, and it was 
I think he did it four, five, six. I think then he sold it to some, whatever. But it was great because basically it was, you know, 30, 45 minutes of nice things people were doing for each other in the middle of all of this craziness. Um, and if you haven't seen it and you want to feel good about the world for at least a half an hour you're watching it, just Google it after SGN, uh, some good news. Uh, Brzezinski is his last name. You'll find it right away. Um, so, you know, what does it mean to live with caring and compassion and kindness? Um, there's a story that is told about uh, acts of kindness that has its context around uh, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Uh, it's in a great little book called Three Times High. Um, if you don't know it, it's a yellow cover, Berman House, Rabbi Schatz, you should have it on your shelf if you don't. Um, and it was told by Rabbi David Greenberg. And he told this story about the Rabbi of Nemerov, who always was late for Yom Kippur services. And every year the people wondered where the heck he went. Maybe they said he wants to go, goes to visit the sick before services. Well, maybe he prays alone before services, they said. And other members of the congregation just said, well, maybe he does something we can't understand. I mean, why, how would the rabbi be late on Yom Kippur? There were two precious boys in the congregation, and they decided they were going to find out the truth. So the night before Yom Kippur, they snuck into the rabbi's house and hid in his house. And they watched and waited as he got into bed, went to sleep. And when it was still dark, they were awoken as the rabbi woke up early. He went to the closet. He put on clothes they had never seen him wear, boots, overalls, a thick wool jacket, and a peasant hat. He was fully dressed. He took a long rope, and he slung it over his shoulder, and he left the house. And the boys looked at each other. Where's the rabbi going? I mean, it's 3 in the morning. Where's he going? And it's Arab Yom Kippur already. They, you know, it's going to be Yom Kippur tonight. So they walked through the streets of the village, lit only by the moon, and they, they were hiding from the rabbi, and they watched him go into the forest. And he took out the rope, and he put it down, and he chopped down some trees with an axe, and a couple of trees fell, and he used the axe to cut the trunk and the branches, and he got everything together, and he got all this wood together, and he schlepped it over his shoulder, and he left the forest, still unseen by the boys who followed him close behind. And then he walked a few miles, and he came to some small dilapidated college, uh, cottage, excuse me, and he knocked on the door. And a voice they heard from inside say, who's there? Sounded like an elderly woman. He said, it's me, it's Vassal, the, the woodchopper. I have wood for you, said the rabbi. It's a cold morning. Please go away, she said. I don't have money for you. And the boys looked as the rabbi, dressed as this guy, chopped wood and said, don't worry, don't worry. And he went to the stove and he put the wood in it and he lit the fire and he said, you'll be warm. It's freezing outside. And then he left the cottage and the boys looked at each other and followed him and he quickly returned home, changed in his clothes and made his way right to the synagogue for Yom Kippur services, where of course he was late. So the people said, so where did the rabbi go? Where, where'd he go? What's he do before services? Maybe, maybe another congregant said, you know, he wasn't visiting the sick. Maybe he was getting ready for Yom Kippur. Maybe the rabbi actually prayed so much that he went all the way up to heaven. And the boys listened and looked at the congregant who said he went up to heaven. And they said, no, actually, the rabbi went even higher. Went even higher than going to heaven. And then they started service. So what's the point of the story? What does it mean to be a religious person? I don't think it's an accident that the context of the story is Yom Kippur. And what does the rabbi do on Yom Kippur? Because Yom Kippur is, you know, the holiest day, as it were, right? And so what's this holiest act that, that, that's happening? It's not the rabbi standing there in perfect prayer, chanting Kol Nidre, you know, etc. Not that that's bad. That's good, too, you know, right? But the message of the story is that a big part of what it means to be a religious person, what it means to be a chassid, what it means to be pious, is going out of your way to be kind and to do random acts of kindness for other people. 
We have to learn how to open our hands to each other. Uh, I heard this uh, to, to give credit, uh, and especially my Camper Mind LA connection. I think Rabbi Feinstein, Ed Feinstein said this once, um, that if you notice when a baby is born, their hands are like this, their fists. And when somebody dies, usually their hands are open. And basically, we spend our entire life trying to get from here to here. Right? How do we learn to open our hands? Right? How do we learn to be kind? How do we learn to give instead of being solely focused on taking? Now, being selfish to a degree has its place, right? It can even be healthy to worry about yourself. But we all could use more work on learning how to be more selfless, right? On learning how to express gratitude to God for what we have and then paying it forward, right? Going out of our way for others, even, by the way, if it makes us late for high holiday services, uh, be they in person or on a screen. So I want to look at some texts now about what does Jewish tradition say about chesed, about caring, right? That was all what, by way of introduction. I'm going to share my screen with you. We're going to look at some of these, um, and then we'll have time to react to some of them um, I'm not going to, I don't think, stop the share in between each one. I think what we'll do, um, well, I may. We'll see. We'll see as we go along. But if you, if you have a pen next to you and you want to, like, take a note or you have a question, you know, do that so we can, so we can talk. Let me get, share my screen real fast. Uh, here we go. Uh, everybody can see that. Rabbi Shant, thumbs up. You can see it. Yeah, good. Okay. So we're going to start with some early texts in the Talmud, right? Rabbi Simlai taught, the Torah begins with deeds of kindness and ends with deeds of kindness. In other words, the, this is not a minor statement. The framing of the entire Torah is chesed. Where does it begin with kindness? God making clothes for Adam and Chava, for Adam and Eve. And it ends with God bearing Moshe, right? God's self um, in the Valley of Moab, where no one knows where that is. So God, the, the, the rabbis imagine God both clothing those who need, giving clothes to those who need clothes and bearing somebody who needs a burial. Talmud goes on to say, uh, you know, on this, on this page, this very famous piece of text, that just as God does these things, so should we. Now, you want to know what it means to find, to walk after God, the rabbis say in this text? How can you walk after God? Doesn't it say that God's a fire? You're going to get burned. And the rabbis in the Talmud say, no, what does it mean to walk after God? It means to be kind. It sounds so, like, simple. <laughs> Only I'm not sure the world has noticed quite yet. And we can't control all of that, but we can at least control Ourselves. You want to know what it is to bring godliness into the world? It means to bring kindness into the world, to go out of your way for, to do things for other people, right? Um, whether that's giving clothing to other people, helping bury other people. Um, actually, I'll give you a, a bit of a, a morbid example with the last one that, that um, I was thinking about recently. In my former congregation, we had, a, we had a congregant who went to everybody's funeral to help participate in the burial. And I asked him once, like, he didn't know half these people. Um, and he said, well, I, that's my mitzvah. That's what I want to do. And he made it his business, strangers or no strangers, that he was going to go to every funeral and he was going to help participate in the burial. That was his act of chesed, right? Um, one of, of course, many. It just the text brought it to my mind. Chesed, according to the rabbis, is so important that everything that lies in one's power to do that would benefit a friend, he or she is obligated to do. It's one of three values the world rests upon. Not a small statement. If you can help someone in some way, which we could talk about what that means, by the way. Sometimes people help in ways that they think are helpful. It may not actually be helpful. We sometimes have to ask people what actually would be helpful to them. But if we can actually do something to help somebody else, 
and, and we do the, the best we can. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. That is foundational. To say that the world rests on it is another way of saying that's a foundational Jewish principle. And indeed, says Maimonides in the Mishnah Torah, the purpose of the laws of Torah are to bring mercy and kindness and peace upon the world. You want to know what the whole point is of this Jewish living, says the Rambam? It's to be compassionate, to be kind, and to bring peace into the world. Right? It's not to show that I'm right or I'm more religious or you're wrong or whatever. It is simply to bring kindness and peace and, and righteousness. So now, what does that actually mean? Right? When you get down to it, what does some of this mean? In Jewish view, says this is from Alan Marinus. If you don't know Alan Marinus um, from the Musar Institute, has a lot of good, uh, good material in this book, Everyday Holiness or Everyday Holy Day. I recommend both of them highly. Um, Everyday Holiness is a little more dense. Everyday Holy Day is like a little reading a day, if you want it. In the Jewish view, he says, it's not enough to hold warm thoughts in our heart and wish each other well. We are meant to offer real sustenance to one another. And the ways in which we can do that are innumerable. Money, time, love, empathy, service, an open ear, manual assistance, a letter, a call, etc. Action is the key to opening the heart. It's easy to think good thoughts, say the right things, and then just be stuck in the same old ways. We're too easy to deceive, especially self-deceive. Action is required. Then, though, experience the heart, um, that heart learns and opens, setting off a chain reaction of hearts opening and connecting, leading right up to openness and connection to God. Chesed must be a sustaining action. But to qualify as chesed, they have to come out of kindness and no other motive. So actually, hold on. He's saying a couple of things here that I want to point out. And in a minute, maybe I'll stop and we'll talk for a minute. He's saying two things. One, um, he's not quite saying it in, in this meaningful way, but talk is cheap. In other words, he's saying, don't just say, yeah, I feel bad for you, or, you know, I want to help you. I mean, a kind word is important, but you need to actually try and do something when you can. And if you feel like, you know, think any example in your mind where you say, well, I could have done this for the person, or I could have done that for the person, but I'm not sure they would have wanted it, or I'm not sure it's the right thing, or we have to be careful He's saying to figure out when that's real and when we're just kind of being lazy and tricking ourselves into thinking <clears throat> that we don't need to help, right? I didn't want to call you because I didn't want to bother you. Well, I mean, maybe, but maybe we could have just left a message or the person didn't have to answer the phone or, you know, when do we convince ourselves that we're not trying to do a kindness um, because we're really uncomfortable, we're not sure how to do it? It's an interesting question that he asks here. And the kindness should not be, should be out of, um, you know, these actions should come out of kindness and no other motive, right? Do, do you do something for a friend or for a stranger or for a congregant or for whatever, or for the rabbi or for, because you want them to notice you and you want attention and you want to be seen as, look at me, I did something nice. Not that anybody in, intentionally walks around like that, but internally what's going on? Are you doing it for the recognition and the, and the kavod and the, and the honor and the attempt? Or are you doing it because it's the right kind, generous thing to do and you expect nothing else? Right? What motivates us? Um, okay. Um, I'm going to stop for a second. I'll take a couple comments and then, and then I want to keep going um, a little bit more. There's some other things I want to talk about. But just before we keep sharing, comments, thoughts, questions, things that strike you as strange, things you're not sure about. Um, I'm sort of easy and open. Um, somebody said, 
So thoughts and prayers just don't cut it in and of themselves. Right. That's right. Right. Um, action. And we're going to talk about action in a minute. That's where we're going to go next is required. Doesn't that sometimes it can be way out of your way, which we're going to get to. Sometimes it can be small, but chesed, the more we look at it, I think from a Jewish lens really requires us doing something. Right. Um, comments, thoughts, questions, challenges, things you're not sure about reactions. Who's got something before I keep going? Anybody? Yeah. Karen, go ahead. Start us off. Okay, so I have bags of clothing to donate where I usually donate, but nobody's accepting anything. Then there are a bunch of people who live under a freeway, tents, and I'm thinking maybe I'll just drop them off there. And is that okay to do? And if I don't tell anybody, but I'm proud of myself, is that okay? <laughs> like I'm not doing it for claps and whatever. Right. Although right. now you all know I may do that. But <clears throat> is that chesed? I mean, I would say that, you know, there's two things to say there. One is certainly that's an act of chesed. Um, the question becomes, and this is a more complicated question that I don't actually have a real answer to, so I'm just going to pose the question, right? Um, is, it, is it actually needed or not? Now, we would think it's needed, right? Mm-hmm. Because we would think they don't have clothes or whatever. But... Um, if I'm going to be just egregious for the point of example, if you have a, a, a whole bunch of men there and what you want to donate is, you know, a bunch of, you know, um, clothing that um, may not be for many men. I don't know. I'm not getting into saying um, then, you know, is that useful? Or let's say, let's say it differently. If you have um, a whole bunch of, you know, adults there and you only have kids clothing, that's a better example. Um, then, you know, is that going to be helpful? So, that that becomes one question. The other question I don't know the answer to is, you know, um, homeless organizations, are they taking, you know, are there homeless organizations that go around to those places and do deliveries? If there are, could you drop it off there? Right. So so my, my answer would be, yes, that's certainly chesed. My challenge would be, you know, would you want to consider calling around a little bit? And if the normal drop-off places aren't taking things, call around to like a homeless shelter. This is the, hey, listen, I would like to do this, but I don't want to do the wrong thing you know, because I don't want to have just clothes that are sitting there that don't actually go to use, you know, maybe find out a little more information would be on one foot a suggestion. If anybody knows more, please, you know, share. I don't Perfect, really perfect, perfect. Um, Sue, Saparis, go ahead. Um, in line with what she was, what Karen was saying, sisterhood, as you know, usually runs a big rummage sale every year in November. And obviously we're not doing that. And our sisterhood president has been calling around because we had the idea that well, she had the idea, I'll give her credit that perhaps we could get our, our congregants, instead of bringing all their stuff to the rummage sale, they could bring it places and then make a donation to the temple to kind of offset what we're losing by not running the rummage sale. And she did find that um, Goodwill is taking things. And she also had me uh, contact a women's shelter in our area to see if they wanted perhaps some women's suits or things like that. And apparently they're not taking clothing, but they did tell me they were taking gift cards and donations. So right. when we have our meeting this week, we'll hopefully come up with some ideas that we can continue. Our, our rummage sale is not only a fundraiser, it's also a chesed type project because right. most of our customers are people that need the things that we no longer use and they can, they put right. them in full use. So that Good. was. Good. Thank you. I think my mind has gotten, 
I think my mind has gotten, I don't know, you know, like embedded in my home. Because even though I may go out here and there, I'm I'm not thinking the the way you guys are suggesting, and they're perfect, perfect suggestions. Good, good, and and that's part of learning together. So that's great. Any other reactions, comments about Chesed? Comments about the whole issue of, um, you know, what does it mean to be kind and and make sure you're doing it for somebody else and not for yourself? Um, thoughts before we keep going. All right, let's jump back then. Okay, good. So, um, let me pick up where it was. Okay, so, um, Rabbi Avram Yachnes once explained the, the extent of the stretch that is necessary to have an action qualifies chesed. This I found interesting. And remember, it's only one, person, one person's opinion, but I, I thought it was interesting. He said, if you're walking down the street and somebody's walking next to you, carrying a box, and you offer to help them, it's not chesed, actually. You're a terrible person not to help that person's situation. If you can, I would copy that, right? What counts as chesed is when you're walking the opposite way from somebody carrying the burden, and then you turn around and help the load carry it in the direction they're going. In other words, he's going to say chesed is not just doing the little thing, but it's going out of your way to, you know, do something further. Now, I would push and gently say, I'm not totally sure I, I, I'm convinced 100%. In other words, I think you can make a phone call that's not difficult, and that's chesed, and, you know, small things like that. But He's really saying we should be careful not to pat ourselves on the back, right? Are we going an extra mile to do something kind? Not just because we have, let's take the rummage sale and the clothes donation, because those are great examples. We have stuff in our home we want to get rid of. Great, I bring it to the rummage sale. That helps me as much as it helps anybody else, and we all know it, right? Great, I can get rid of those clothes that are extra, or those shoes, and it can be a win-win. All that's good. I'm not saying any of it's bad. But what happens, like, what happens when we need to go out of our way? Right? What happens when, we, when it's not just convenient and in front of us? Right? What, happens, what happens when the person is in front of us in line and is fumbling and they don't have enough change? Right? Do we spend our money to help them out? What happens you know, in any number of scenarios when we could go out of our way to show up or do something, um, but we don't? Right? We, a lot of us, and I'm sure on this call, I don't know you, but I would imagine, right, people that sign on to this call, a lot of people are caring people and kind people and want to do the right thing, hopefully. And when it's easy, when it's easy, we often do the right thing. But what happens when it's not easy? What happens when we have to go out of our way? Um, so a classic example of this in the Bible is Rebecca and the story of the camels that many may be familiar with. And if you're not, we'll just do a quick summary, right? That uh, this is when... Uh, Abraham decides after almost killing Isaac that it'd probably be a good idea for him to help find a wife for Isaac. That's a very challenging thing that we're going to deal with on the holidays. And um, so, you know, he sends a servant who is later called Eliezer to figure this out. And he, the Eliezer has this test. He says, I know who we're going to find. We're going to find uh, for uh, for uh, a wife. She's going to be the one that not only offers to, um, you know, give me water, but also water my camels, right? And so... He spots Rebecca, uh, born in Betuel, the wife of Avram's brother Nahor, and she's carrying a jar on her shoulder. And she goes down to the spring, and she fills the jar, and she comes, and she passes the test. He says, let me have some water. And she says, you can have some, and, and then I'm going to also draw for your camels. Quickly emptying her jar, she goes back to draw some more. Now we read this, and we say, okay, she was kind. But um, there's a couple things to notice. Rabbi Yonatan uh, Ibshitz says, the Torah emphasizes the fact that she carried her pitcher on her shoulder. She was publicly saying, 
that she was, you know, helping out. So um, when, with, when she had it on her shoulder, if somebody saw it, they could say, hey, can you go get me some water too? She wasn't afraid to publicize that she was asking for help. But here's the real kicker that I always noticed every year in the Eitz Chaim commentary. A single camel, there were 10 camels here, and each one apparently requires 25 gallons of water. That's 250 gallons of water, if my math is correct. And it takes a camel 10 minutes to, re- to regain that amount of water. She wasn't just like carrying a little jar. 250 gallons is a lot of water. So, so she was, you know, a classic example of not just being nice and, you know, can I get you something to drink? She was really going out of her way. The Talmud says that the, the um, sorry, the Musar teaching says that kindness is not what you feel, but what you do. Our most valuable acts of kindness take place when we overcome inner resistance to, and do the right thing anyway. Long been understood that the heart follows the deed and your own heart is transformed into a vessel of kindness. They benefit and so do we, right? So this, it, you know, what is kindness? Again, not just when it's convenient, not just, um, you know, when it's something that makes us feel good about ourselves, but it's chesed when we don't feel like doing it. Think back to the times where we, um, you know, we're able to go make a shiva call in person. Or even now, when you can get on the screen to make a shiva call. But you've got to do this, or you really need to eat dinner, or you've got to get your children or grandchildren, or you have to do something or whatever. So, you know, it really would be an inconvenience. When you go and do it anyway, that's chesed. Right? Not, it's, it's not that it's not chesed when you've planned it and you've done it. It's chesed then too. But we're really talking about going out of our way and training ourselves to do the kind thing even when we don't want to, or even when we could just as easily be doing something else. When you experience a strong desire to be good, said Rabbi Abraham Isaac Cook, who was the first chief rabbi of Palestine, realize that an illumination has come to you. How fortunate you will be if you prepare a proper place in your heart and mind, in the acts of your hands and in all your feelings to receive the exalted guest, God, who is greater and more exalted than the most noble. Take hold and do not let it go. So here I want to say that this, why is this like Jewish? Or why is this spiritual, religious, or any way getting us ready for the holidays? Because here what's being said is, chesed is not just kindness and not just being nice. In this frame, the act of chesed is, in some senses, a manifestation of the presence of God. Where is God? Why do bad things happen to good people? These are huge questions that we don't have the answers for, and rabbis don't have answers any more than anybody else. But can we discover God in the interactions with one another? Right? Can we discover God in the care and compassion and kindness that is opened up in us? When we open our hearts in that way, is God there in that space? Rabbi Cook is saying God is very much there in that space, and you want to pay attention? Hold on to it. It's a sacred thing you're doing. Right? It's not just a small thing that you're doing. It's not just a nice thing. There's the famous quote from Henry James, right? There are three things in human life that are important. The first is to be kind. The second is to be kind. And the third is to be kind. And there's one uh, that was uh, from Dr. Wayne Dyer from that book, Wonder, uh, that uh, Palacio uh, you know, made famous this quote. Um, when given the choice between, I say this to my children all the time, when given the choice between being right or being kind, choose kind. Isn't that something that the world could use right now? Everybody's screaming, trying to be right. How about trying to be kind? How about trying to bring some chesed into the world? 
to bring chesed into the world in that way means that we would actually have to stop and see the divinity in every in each person. We'd have to stop and see the divinity in the person who we can't stand. We'd have to stop and see the divinity in the person who's just slightly annoying. We'd have to stop and see the divinity in the person who, um, you know, is a stranger. It's easy to do chesed for our friends. The question is, what do you do? How do you do chesed for the person that's a stranger? How do you do chesed for the person whose political views you just are making you absolutely insane? Right? Um, how do we go out of our way to do chesed? And does sort of God, as it were, speak in that moment? Is that a sacred moment? You know, we think about, I think many people think about sacred moments differently, right? Um, as if, you know, there's some external force etc. And why isn't God doing this? And why isn't God doing that? That whole piece of the Talmud that said, is basically saying God acts through us. God buries the dead, you bury the dead. God visits the sick, you visit the sick. You want to know what it means to find God in the world? Try being kind. Try going out of your way to be kind. Try carrying 250 gallons of water back and forth in the heat publicly. So if anybody else needs some, you'll, you'll offer them to. That's where God is. God's in those acts of kindness that we do for each other. Um, so let's take some thoughts, some reactions, some questions. So you don't have to agree with anything I'm saying. For those who haven't you know, taken any classes with me before, I have no problem with people saying that's ridiculous, Rabbi. I don't agree with that at all. Um, or I'm not sure about that. That's all that is good. So um, let's take some comments, some questions, some reactions, some thoughts. Um, who's going to start? I'll just start calling on people, so don't do that. Who's, who wants to start? Um, don't be shy. Who's not sure? Who disagrees? Who thinks it's easier said than done? What the gets the- All right, go ahead. Laura, Lauren, are you going to start? Yeah. The go one ahead. thing that you said, and you also said you weren't sure of it, was when you said really small things that you do that a person does, and... Um, I can't. You think you said something like maybe those those aren't really acts of chesed, just little well, things. The text, the text said that they weren't. I'm not sure because I, I think they can be. <laughs> I think the text was trying to push us further. So I think they are. I personally, I think they are. But I think that text was trying to push us to not let that be an excuse. You know what I'm saying? In other words, picking up the phone and calling somebody is an act of chesed. But don't stop there. I think is what the text was saying. Ah, okay. I understand that. Because I I have trouble saying, well, it's only the big stuff. In other words, I I would agree that it's the small stuff. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, I think it's both. I think the text was sort of pushing us a bit. Right. Because, I I mean, I feel that sometimes the small stuff is even more important than the big stuff in some ways. A phone call or something like that, yeah. Right, and I think that's fair. Um, I think the danger there, I think that's right. And I think the danger there that the other te- that that one text I referred to was, was responding to was when people get too comfortable with that and say, well, you know, I did, I did the small thing. So that's enough. Right. Um, you know, and, and think of it, just think about an example to yourself of a time or even now where you did something small, nice for somebody and there's more you could do. Should you be doing it? Could you be doing it? Those are the kind, I think that's a balance that we're having here. Um, well, Steve, go ahead. I mean, the one thing you said about, yeah. Uh, for somebody that's annoying or, or, or whatever the political things or something like that, it's so much harder. 
And um, when you have a history or something, but you should really be comforting them, something like that uh, is really hard because you want to put those things aside, but it makes it so much harder, I think. And so it's a really, I think, a big, sometimes a bigger act of chesed, as you said. And that actually, let's go, I'll get to you, Stephen, one second. That actually, I think, is where the high holidays come in a little bit, right? When you start talking about what does it mean to really be able to look inside, to do some cheshbon on nefesh, to say, you know, this person really annoys me. I cannot stand that they posted this, did this, said this. I totally disagree with them. How terrible, whatever. Um, you know, but at one point you were friendly and they're in the hospital or they need a phone call or they need a meal or whatever, can we reach inside of ourselves and find that sort of sacred connection, human being to human being, and say, I'm going to try to compartmentalize that right now and do the chesed anyway. Um, that's hard. I, I'm, not, you know, I'm not saying this is easy. Um, Steve wants to go, and then my sister on. My sister raised her hand after let her talk. Steve, go ahead, and then we'll let my sister go. I just, I just want to say that I just realized that what hasn't been said is that the, the mitzvah of burying the dead is sort of underlines all of all of this idea of of hesed as being uh, some uh, doing doing kindness for someone who's got no call on you, um, uh, and uh, talk, you know help somebody help bury someone who you don't even know. Try that; right? it's the perfect example. Which is why, which is why, um, for those who have, have heard this, and my congregants have heard me say this at every single funeral. Um, but it's why that we call a burial a chesed shel emet, a true act of kindness, because it is the only thing you can do for someone that you can physically give them that they cannot repay you for. It's the last physical act that you can give them, they can't repay you for it, which is why it's called a true act of kindness. And I'll tell you, I have, I have found, you know, it's interesting when, when you don't think about these things when you grow up or live in California, and not to be too morbid about these things, but when you're doing a burial on the East Coast, and particularly when you're doing a burial, let's say, in the winter, and the ground is rock hard, and you can't, you know, and it's very, very difficult, and people are cold, and, people, and everybody stands there and tries to do their best, that's real chesed, because that takes work. And you're not doing it for, no, for any, you know, pat on the back, and you're not doing it for, you know, oh, look at us. You're doing it because you're trying to give a kindness to a family and show honor to their loved one. Um, Beck, go ahead. Okay, two things. One, just to piggyback on the um, people who annoy you, people who make you see red when you see, oh my God, they said what? Which happens a lot these days. Your former governor, Air, um, Chris Christie, said, and he's attributed to someone else, but I don't know who, he always said, it's a quote that sticks with me, it's hard to hate up close, right? So... That's the thing. If, if, you know, I can be mad at you, but, but that's when I'm not seeing you. If I go back to the things we have and the friendship we have from before, it's hard to hate up close, right? So that's, that's number one. And then number two, back to the small acts of kindness versus big acts of kindness. Um, what I have found is, and what we've all found, is memory is really funny and relative importance is really funny. So there are things that are throwaways to me that I've done or are throwaways to you that mean absolutely nothing to you and mean everything to me years later. You don't even remember. So it's the little things, but it's making sure, yeah, I, not just that one, you know, but um, 
but but that's that's throughout life, right? The little things we do that mean nothing to us may mean very big things to others. So it's not necessarily going out of your way to be kind. It's just making sure to be kind. Um, and not that I am all the time, but, you know, we could try. So that's Good. what I have to say. Great. Thank you. The inside joke was I told my sister something small that she did once that she had no recollection of that was kind. So, um Good. Other reactions, thoughts, um, challenges. What makes this difficult to do? I mean, it's very easy to talk about. On the one hand, you know, chesed is a topic. It's like, okay, yeah, we should be kind. We all know we should be kind. Okay, Rabbi. But it's something that's like we all know. And, you know, our youngest is in, well, actually just finished kindergarten. because starting first grade. God help us as they start school um, in this frightening time. But, um, you know, you learn this when you're little, right? You learn about it being kind and being nice and sharing, whatever Except if we're that easy, the world wouldn't look like what it looks like. So, so, so what makes this difficult, do you think? Why is it so easy to talk about and so difficult to do? Yetzirah. Okay, our evil inclination or the inclination to, to do not the right thing. Give me an example or like be a little more specific. Well, we're, we can often be lazy by nature or, or, uh, or, or look look for the easy way out to uh, and to not do versus doing. I mean, that's that's just sort of the default nature of man. Okay, right. It's because we have to exercise an effort. Good, Cones. Go ahead. Yeah, I just think we get caught up in our own lives and what's going with us, and so we don't think about other people, um, you know, and giving them the kindness and thanking them for what they do for us, or saying hello in the morning, even when you're running into work. Um, we forget about those little things because we're so focused on what we have to do. Right. And it becomes a balancing act. It's a great point. It's the, not to be a little cliche. It's the Hillel, right? If I'm, you know, if I am uh, only for myself, what am I? If I'm not for myself, right? Who am I? Et cetera, right? If um, I'm not for myself, what am I? If I'm only, only for myself, who am I, right? In other words, there's a balance between self-care and caring for other people. Um, and we walk around with a lot of times tunnel vision because we've got things to do. We've got issues we've got challenges we've got families we've got you know this that and the other thing um and it's normal to worry and think about those things um and i don't have time to worry about this other thing right and my yetzer says forget it i just i don't have time to deal with this but can we can we start the new year by looking for opportunities i like to be very practical about these things right i like to sometimes move from all the way to the top to, to like day-to-day stuff can you try every day to find one act of kindness to do? Every day. Not for points, not, you know, because God's keeping score, not because you want a pat on the back, just because it's the right thing to do. All right? Go ahead. You respond. Yeah. I think that people get caught up in the idea that their world is the world. They don't do that necessarily knowingly. It, because it takes a certain kind of consciousness and a certain kind of awareness right? to not put our... And here's the thing. This is about not putting ourselves... To, to, to sound uh, rabbinic for a minute, um, this is not putting ourselves at the center. I would say in the language of that Musar text, it's putting God in the center. It's putting godliness at the center. It's putting everybody's divinity at the center and saying, this isn't about me. Right? Yes, I have concerns, and yes, I have things I need to work about, but am I noticing you? 
Am I noticing the sacred in everybody? Am I, and am I then acting on that, even and especially when it's hard? Um, I had a weird hand issue. Cones, do you want to say something else? Or Mike's was going to say something. He'll come back and then he'll raise his hand again. Good. <laughs> um, any, uh, Susan, go ahead. Me? Sue, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, when you were talking about going out of your way at the very opening of this program tonight, you mentioned what kindness other people have done for us in this COVID time. At the very beginning, one of my friends who's a congregant also uh, was able to go shopping for me because I'm compromised health-wise and couldn't really go to the store in the very beginning. I finally just started going myself. But um, she went out of her way, literally, because she lives in a complete, she happens to shop at a store that's near where I live, but she lives in an opposite direction from where I live. And she insisted on, when I was unable to find pickup times or delivery times at the store, she insisted on doing my grocery shopping while she was doing her grocery shopping and bringing them to me. She wouldn't even let me like come to the store and meet her. She would insist on bringing the groceries to me and taking them, you know, I would take them from her car into my house and it was completely out of her way. And it was just something she said, Susan, I'm going to call you every week. And when I'm going and you're going to get what I, what you need. And that's that. So that to me was true chesed because she was specifically going out of her way to do that for me. Right. Right. And not for recognition necessarily, not because it was the right thing to do. Like the rabbi in the story dressed up as somebody else to go do what he needed to do. Mike, go ahead. Yeah, Mike, go ahead. So I just read a book that just came out on kindness by Adrian Bankart. It just came out like a month or two ago. Your hidden superpower, the kindness that makes you unbeatable at work and connects you with anyone. What her main premise is that in life, no matter what you're, you're feeling or experiencing, if you are kind, it's going to bring you contentment. And it's a very interesting premise, and it, 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 it kind of makes a lot of sense that no matter the situation, even if someone is not kind to you, be kind back to them. I'll put the name of the book and the author in the chat. So, yeah. And, and the, the other thing I'm going to say about that, it's called Your Hidden Kindness. Is that what it's called? Great. I'm always up for a new Your book. Hidden Superpower. Um, you know, the other thing that's really interesting that, that is not, I'm going to be careful how I say this, you shouldn't do it necessarily for this reason, but I think sometimes when you lead with kindness, it also on a practical level can be very disarming, right? There's a story I like to tell. Um, I see the Dector one second. There's a story I like to tell, um, that I was once somewhere and, um, it was like a you know some Jewish community function outdoors, and there was somebody who uh, you know uh, was very upset with me. Rabbi, they were screaming, ranting. Who knows about a sermon that I didn't give? Um, you know because they wanted me to talk about X topic. They didn't realize that the other rabbi had already talked about X topic the, the day before, but they weren't in shul, whatever. So they were very upset, and they're yeah, they're screaming, and I, and I, I was not patting myself on the back. I was just, I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I was just trying to be nice, right? I'm so sorry. You know, let me know. I'd love to, you know, talk more with you about it. And it was just, they wanted to fight. And when you responded with kindness, they just, the fight was gone. Now that doesn't always happen. Of course, we know that. But on a, on a practical level, 
um, you know, your hidden superpower of being kindness is, is all the things that we've been talking about for the past nearly an hour. Um, practically, it's also sometimes a helpful tool for just disarming conflict. Um, let's do D. Dector. Sorry, there's no video there, so I just can't see who that is. But um, speak. Love to hear from you. And then we will um, go ahead. It's taken me all this time to think of anything that anyone has done for me in the past whatever months. Mm-hmm. Um, and toward the beginning, I guess beginning of April, um, someone had posted they were going to Costco and I asked if they could get me something at Costco. And then she said, oh, I forgot. You know, okay, fine. Is there anything else I can do? And just off the top of my head, I said, you live down in Simi Valley. If you're going that way could you, and coming back to Camarillo, it's about an hour drive. Uh, for me, it would be, you know, an hour, two hours round trip. Could you pick up my sewing machine, which was at the repair shop? And she did. And she brought it to the house. And, she, you know, she wouldn't take anything for gas or anything else. Total stranger, did not know her. Um, but she said she would do that. Um, Basically, I need it because I quilt for charity. And I've made, since I got my machine back, I've been able to make about 20 quilts, which will go to various charity groups. Um, One thing I wanted to ask, though, as far as the kindness, I don't know if it's a hidden kindness or not. I get a great deal of pleasure making quilts. Mm -hmm. I don't really care that they're for charity. It's nice I can give them to charity. But I love making them. I love doing genealogy for other people, especially Jewish genealogy. And I meet people and they'll say, oh, could you help? And I get on and I help them. And from five people on their tree, I get them 200 people and I find it. And they're thanking me so profusely. You know, I just love doing it. So I don't know. Is that considered chesed? I'm really doing it for me. I get the pleasure out of doing it for for genealogy's sake. I get the pleasure out of quilting. Right. Anyway. Yeah, I think, I think the answer is yes. Um, and I thank you for both of those things. Um, you know, I think the answer is there was one text in there. Uh, you know, I don't want to open it back up because I want us to be able to finish nearly on time, et cetera. But there's a whole thing about when you open your heart and you're kind, um, the more you're kind, the more you feel good about it, et cetera. Um, so I think this, this doesn't have to be an either or. I think this is sort of a win-win. You're, you're kind and you're caring and you do these things, but they also make you feel really good. Um, and not only do they make you feel really, have the potential to make you feel really good, look what happened to the, to the person who went out of their way for two to four hours, and then all of a sudden all these people got, got you know, amazing quilts out of this one thing. It can be exponential. So I, don't, I, I think that, yes, it's chesed, and the fact that it makes you feel good doesn't, you know, it, still, it can still certainly be chesed. You shouldn't feel bad for feeling good. Um, so there was one question in the chat, and then I want to start to wrap it up just because of time. And then I'll leave it to Rabbi Schatz to, to you know, figure out how we're going to wrap. Um, so when she, as Karen asked, so when crackers and pretzels are old, uh, you know, hate to throw them away and you um, feed it to the birds, is that chesed? Yeah, I would say that's chesed. I would say that's more, you know, there's whole thing, tsar ba'alei chayim, being kind to animals, um, going out of way to be kind to animals. Animals are God's creatures too, so I think we can... I, don't, I think the tradition tends to talk about chesed in terms of people. That's maybe a gross overgeneralization, but like that's what I've seen in the literature. But if it's not quote-unquote chesed, it's certainly tzar ba'alei It's certainly taking care of you know, animals and God's creatures, and it's certainly a kind thing to do. Um, okay, so much of living a life of chesed is about going out of our way to help somebody. 
um, doesn't minimize the small things we do. Those count as chesed too. Uh, it's, it's about doing things both when it's convenient and pushing ourselves to do better. So let's take, go to the example of the box. Um, we may not all be the type of people to turn around and carry the package, but how many of us even offer to help the person carry the box in the first place? Right? I was thinking about that example. When somebody's walking, they're carrying a bunch of bags, do we even offer to help them? Right? Do we open the door for somebody, which seems to be small? Now, because of Corona, maybe that's a little more complicated, but let's, God willing, we'll be <laughs> past Corona. Right? Um, how do we think about living, living lives of chesed on a daily basis? We are, many of us, very blessed in our lives. We face challenges. We're all going through one heck of a national challenge right now in the face of COVID-19 and many other things. And we know that life is, can be unfair, and we know that things don't always go the way we want them to go. But at the same time, Jewish wisdom around chesed at its core is a, about reminding us how much we do have in life, reminding us how blessed we are in so many ways. And with that recognition of gratitude, which is a piece of this that we didn't talk about, but that's I want to leave you with this. With that recognition of gratitude, we're then invited to spend at least some small portion of every day working to increase the goodness and the blessing in the lives of others. Uh, it's kind of um, like what I think Sherry said when we sort of get it out of our own head and we think, you know, hey, we have so much, you know, how can we pay that forward to other people? With acts of kindness, small or large, friendly smile or wave since we're wearing our masks and smiles don't always work. Um, offering to help somebody else out with children, with grandchildren, um, calling somebody who's having a hard time, et cetera, et cetera. Small, big, we've talked about a lot of things on this call, ways um, of helping other people. So what I want to say in conclusion is this. As we continue preparing for Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, that will certainly be like no other Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, whether you're on the East Coast or the West Coast or the Midwest or anywhere, right? The question is, are we going to focus on what we receive or don't receive every day? Or are we going to focus on what we can give? Because as Sir Winston Churchill once said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Right? Um, and by the way, I didn't think about this before, so I'm just going to say it now. The person who was asking about, um, you know, feeling good, the word to give in Hebrew, Natan, Nun, Taf, Nun, is a palindrome. It goes you know, backwards and forwards the same way. So you give and you get, right? So let's ask ourselves as we get ready for the new year, what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of chesed can I bring into the world? What can I do today and tomorrow and the day after that to make somebody else's lives, maybe even a complete stranger, that much better? Because to do that, to live in that way, is to come to know ourselves, our fellow human beings, and our God in a way that brings a meaning and purpose into our lives and into our world that is for the good, something that we all need desperately right now and the world needs more of. A great way indeed to start off a new year, and I'll wish everybody a few weeks early a Shana Tova, a good and healthy, 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 please, uh, new year for all, um, as we all embrace the challenge of bringing more chesed into the world. Steve, you can have the last word because you raised your hand, and then we'll let Rabbi Shatz uh, finish us up. He was just nope. giving the applause. <laughs> Good. All right. Thank you. Good. All right. Thank you so much, Rabbi Shatz. It was really just a pleasure being able to learn all of this with you. And um, what you might not know is that, that starting tomorrow, we're starting the week of balance. And I think there's such a beautiful way that you just capped out 
this week of chesed and taking us into this next week of not only thinking about the ways that we can do chesed in the world, but that we can also appreciate the chesed that others do for us um, and the ways that we can make sure that that when we are thinking about the chesed that we are doing, that we're also responding in some way, like you just said, with Natan, that, that we can be uh, in reciprocal relationship with those who are we who we are encountering in terms of that chesed or we are um, doing that chesed for. So that you did a seamless transition, even if you didn't know it. Um, and again, just a beautiful way to get to know you and to learn from you and your congregation. And I hope we'll have many more opportunities to do this. Uh, it's definitely one of the most powerful and beautiful things to come out of coronavirus is to learn across the country um, and not just stay within our own, though I love my own communities, not to stay within our own communities for all of these things. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.